Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to the Umarpreneur Live podcast. And today I have with me a very special guest, uh, my good friend Jesse Reitberger. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, Assalamu alaikum, Jesse. How's it going? Waalaikumsalam. <laughs> I'm doing well. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It's a, it's a pleasure and honor to have you, brother. And I'm really excited for us to dive into this conversation. And um, for those of you who may not know Jesse, so Jesse is the founder of Canadian Islamic Wealth. And uh, this is actually a wealth management firm. It's the first wealth management firm in Canada uh, dedicated specifically to halal investing. So they offer pioneering, pioneering investment solutions that align with our Islamic faith. Uh, and Jesse here helps his clients achieve their financial goals without compromising on their values. So talk to me about Canadian Islamic wealth. What is it that you do exactly? Um, I hope I, you know, gave a, a good introduction to it, but I'd love to hear your own way of, yeah, of explaining. It was fantastic. I, I really appreciated <laughs> it. Uh, Canadian Islamic wealth is all about helping the Muslim community achieve their financial goals in a halal way. Um, okay. So a lot of the time, you know, and, and I come from, from the, this industry, um, we have access to a, a bunch of banks, whether we're talking about the big ones like RBC, TD, um, whatever the case may be. And some places may even offer some halal investment options. But at the end of the day, yeah. their bottom line is they want to make money. I mean, if mm -hmm. they can't make money through the halal investments or if they can't make enough money, they can vote it out. They can say no more halal investing. And then you're stuck and you're right back where you start. And that was really the idea behind Canadian Islamic Wealth is I had tried to do halal investing through two other institutions. I worked at National Bank before I worked at uh, investors group beforehand. And it was just really, really hard to um, consistently be able to offer my clients investments that aligned with their values, uh, aligned mm -hmm. with Islam, simply because, you know, we, we kept getting interrupted, we kept getting uh, management coming in and saying, well, you know, maybe you should invest them in fixed income, maybe you should invest them in something, and, you know, coming with all their suggestions, right? right? And at the end of the day, their suggestions, maybe it works from a financial perspective, but it doesn't align with the Islamic values. So uh, right. I, I realized uh, about two years ago that I had to uh, no, three years ago now, we're, we're going in 2022 now, um, that I had to do something for our community, for the Muslims. Um, so in, in October of 2019, uh, Canadian Islamic Wealth was founded. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's amazing, man. And was this the first business you ever started or did you, did you already have experience in entrepreneurship? So, I mean, I've, I've tried a bunch of kind of, kind of little things here and there ever since I was kind of in, in university, um, you know, really my, my, my background kind of came. So in university, I studied history. I, I wasn't really a numbers guy. My, my whole plan was to, to go to law school, but then I realized how much I hated reading and how much more I liked numbers. So I started to learn finance. I started to learn sales. I, I, uh, I've always worked in, in roles where, um, you know, I, I was paid based on commission. I've never really had like a wage or a salary. So I've always sort of been in that in, in a role where, where sales was important. So I, I wouldn't say I ever really started my own company, but I was, I was always sort of an independent contractor and, and things like that. And, um, it kind of led me down this, this journey to, to finance. That's amazing, man. And uh, I know um, you probably get asked this question a lot, bro, but I, every, this is something that every Muslim is always curious about, bro. What, what is it that kind of led you to Islam and what is it that, you know, um, kind of put you on this path? I would love to hear the story behind that as well. I'm sure our, our audience would love to. Yeah. So uh, it, it was, uh, it was interesting. So back in 2014, my, my cousin, 
Uh, he has been married or he has been Muslim since 2007. I think he converted when he was like 15 or something like that. And I okay. uh, and I was never really a super religious person. My family was never really religious, but I always kind of believed there was there was something out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then in, in 2014, I went to his wedding and I met a whole bunch of like really cool Muslim people who are, you know, super nice, super friendly, not at all terrorists or, you know, what the, the media would, would portray, right? Just uh, right. some of the nicest people I, I'd ever met in my whole life. And then I started mm-hmm. to just kind of read up on on the Quran and Islam. And, um, you know, I, I I started having these dreams and these dreams started to become more and more vivid each time. So the first time it was like, okay, go to the mosque. And then I, I just ignored it. And then it kept getting more specific. Okay, go to the mosque at this time. Go to the mosque at this time with these people. Go to this specific mosque at this time with these people. So I had to call up some of these people that I met at the wedding and say, okay, you know, come to uh, come to this mosque at this time. You have to. So they came with me and then uh, they gave me a Quran. I started to read it. It, it. it made a lot of sense, but I wasn't ready at the time. And then there's this one guy in my community who's like, you know, bro, if you can find a single flaw in the Quran, in Islam, anything like that, I will leave Islam. And so I you know, challenge accepted. So I started to read, I started to study and I, I, I just couldn't. So then I, uh, I accepted Islam back in September of, of 2014. Wow. Michelle, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. That's, that's beautiful, bro. Honestly, I'm jealous, man, but in a good way, cause you know, I'm sure you meet a lot of Muslims who say that it's like, oh, you have a clean slate, man. You know, mashallah, yeah. that's, that's always beautiful, bro. So uh, alhamdulillah, I'm really, uh, really happy, uh, you know, just to like be here and speaking to you and know that you're at a point now where, um, you know, not only have you embraced Islam, mashallah, but you're at a point where you're trying to like develop something for the ummah and develop something that brings benefit. And that's, that's really beautiful to see, mashallah. You know, we have a lot of Muslims that are born Muslims. Um, hopefully they'll listen to this podcast and they're thinking of, thinking of becoming entrepreneurs um, and you can be an inspiration to them, right? And so it's, well, it's always beautiful to see that. And I mean, just, just to speak on that, like I, I always, you know, I, I love the idea of entrepreneurship and I think everyone should, you know, give it, give it the old fashioned try, right? Whatever idea mm-hmm. you have, whatever thought you have about maybe stepping into the space or trying a side business, I don't think you'll regret it no matter what happens. Cause yeah. it, it, it's so freeing. Like at least you, you know, even if it doesn't work, at least you, you, you go to bed knowing that you, you know, you gave it a try and, and it didn't yeah. end up working out. Right. For sure. hundred percent. Definitely, man. And, uh, you know, you chose specifically, I mean, you could have easily decided, you know, I want to just build a wealth management firm and, and, you know, work with any client whatsoever but you've decided specifically to help Muslims through your organization. So why did you focus specifically on Islamic wealth? What drove you towards that direction? Well, um, I think it's pretty much my laziness, to be honest with you. So uh, back in 2014, when I converted to Islam, uh, I I started to kind of read up on Islamic finance and and different things like that, because, uh, you know, I I was working with with a partner at the time who um, you know, I, we were working in wealth management and investments and he's like, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe you can get some clients from this newfound community of yours. And so I would approach people at the mosque and be like, Hey, you know, I, I do this, I do that. Uh, what do you say? We have a meeting and they're like, ah, you know what, this is interest. This is not halal. And so I'm like, okay, well, what does that mm. mean? So I started to do some research and I, I found it really fascinating. And so I kind of came to the conclusion after reading through the Quran about interest and uh, halal investments or whatever that I would either have to change jobs and change career paths or figure out a way to make um, the investing I do halal. And so I didn't want to change career paths because I do love the finance sector. I find it super interesting, you know, 
uh, in my humble opinion, if you understand money, you understand everything. Um, so the I didn't want to I didn't want to leave that sector. So I, I tried to figure out at at that bank how I could um, you know service the the community, have them invest their money in a halal way, and use things like RSPs, tax free saving account, all these other type of things. Uh, and then you know as I mentioned, it just kind of came to a point where I realized I'm not going to be able to you know fully step into this, fully embrace this, you know fully service my clients in the way I want to unless I, I do it kind of independently and on my own. Mm-hmm. Definitely, brother. And I think that's uh, that's pretty much like the driver for most entrepreneurs is that you realize that you want to provide a solution. It's not specifically available right now. Um, and so you want to have that freedom, that ability to make it happen. Now, how do you define, uh, in your terms, halal investments or, or, or Sharia compliant investments? Why should someone who's, who's listening to this uh, consider working with you versus, let's say, just putting their money into a mutual fund at their local bank? Yeah, so there, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, the, the definitions of halal investing are not my own. I, I don't mm-hmm. claim to be the the right person to tell you exactly what should and should not be halal. I, I leave those up to experts, to ulama, to scholars, to, to people who you know eat, sleep, and breathe the religion. However, I do have two certifications in Islamic finance uh, from the Ethica Institute, and we'll be working on a third one shortly. Uh, and the reason you should come with us is similar to how you would probably not want to buy meat from just any butcher, or you wouldn't you wouldn't trust uh, yourself to to like go to a, a bar and then only serve halal drinks, right? You go to the places where the you know the halal things are going to happen, and so unfortunately, mm-hmm. if you look at the grand majority of the investments at most banks, they will contain something impermissible because typically what happens is you go in there, you sit down. They take you through an investor profile questionnaire. They take you, you know, they ask you some questions about what your goals and and objectives are. And then they'll recommend something like the RBC balanced mutual fund. Mm -hmm. And all you need to do is get a list of the fun facts and find out that, you know, five of the top 10 holdings in that RBC mutual fund are banks. You can't have banks because banks make their money off of interest. So this is Mm -hmm. impermissible, right? And so basically the standard, there, there are three main standards to determine whether there's a halal investment or not. And those standards are, you have to be dealing with something that's profit-based over interest-based. So mm-hmm. uh, a hack is if you hear the word fixed income, it's not halal, 100%. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, and, and when you're sitting down with someone at the bank, they'll say, yeah, we're going to put you in a balanced portfolio and it'll have 50% fixed income and 50% equity, right? That's what they'll say. Well, 50% mm-hmm. of that is 100% haram. Right. Mm. And then after that, the, the, the next step, you can have something called equity, but it has to be screened for halal businesses. Right. You can't profit off of things like alcohol, gambling, tobacco, adult entertainment, weapons, drugs, different things like that. So, um, again, you can you can look through any of the investments you have at your bank and you'll find definitely you'll find banks. You'll probably find companies that that are in the tobacco space and and different things like that. Um, And then the last step, there are some financial ratios that scholars have put in place to to avoid excessive amounts of risk and uncertainty and and different things like that. Mm -hmm. So those are those. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So those are kind of the main screening criteria that we use that, you know, anyone who claims to do halal investing ought to be using. And they, those those screening methodologies come from a, an organization called AAOIFI, AOFI. 
And so okay. that is the the standards that I've been kind of trained in, that I've taken my certifications in, and uh, and uh, those are the standards that I personally follow when it comes to uh, investing clients' money on Halal. Okay, so uh, I have a few questions there for sure, based on what you're sharing. So number one is that you are um, you know you're you're someone who decided that you wanted to to build, mashallah, this, this wealth management firm. And you've moved forward and you're working on this now and you're working with clients. Now, for an entrepreneur listening to this or someone listening to this that might tell, say to themselves, well, I, I think I would be interested in the future in, in, in building something in the accounting space or wealth management space. You know, how did you go about it when it comes to actually, you know, sec- making sure that your, your clients' funds are secure and that, you know, you are dealing with, with people's wealth, essentially. How did you kind of set everything up in, in a way where, people could see you as someone that they could trust with their money, if that makes sense. Yeah. So there's, there's a, certainly a lot of different levels to this, but we didn't, Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't, you know, set ourselves up to be kind of a a standalone institution, right? That's, uh, I feel like the the cost to do that is, is extraordinary. And the, the risk to doing that is quite high. So we have um, some kind of back office partners that we run a lot of our, our stuff through. And that adds a layer of security to our clients so that if anything ever happened to Canadian Islamic wealth, there would be something in place to make sure that uh, the assets are still going to be there. So inshallah, okay. we're around forever. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we've made partnerships with with different uh, back office organizations to basically ensure that that client's money is going to be safe kind of no matter what. And mm-hmm. one of the things that everybody should look out for is if someone comes and approaches you and says, hey, you know, can you invest your money with me, with us, with my company, Wh- whichever company this is, you should look for and see if they have something called the Canadian Investor Protection Fund or the Canadian Mutual Fund Insurance Corporation. Because what this does is that in the event that they go bankrupt, it protects each one of your accounts up to a million dollars. So if a company approaches you and says, hey, you know, invest invest with us, if they don't have those insurance, like that, that, that is a gamble, but the back office companies that we use have those insurance in place so that if anything happens to us, if anything happens to them, your money is going to be safe. That makes sense. And right now, are you taking only Canadian clients? And, um, if so, do you plan to expand that in the future? Are you, would you be able to, um, at this point, we, we are only taking, uh, Canadian clients. Uh, I don't know whether or not we will move anywhere else. Um, Something I, I've certainly thought about, but there's a lot of kind of regulatory stuff that has to be has to happen in both Canada and the United States in order to make that happen. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, frankly, I, I feel us servicing Muslim Canadians would be the you know the, the the best thing for for me and for us. I don't want to spread us too thin, kind of thing. Yeah, that makes def- definitely a lot of sense. And I think even and in there Canada, are some you know- great companies in the U.S. who are who are focusing on. Uh, Islamic finance to like, yeah. you know, shout out to to Agaz Investments and and shout out to um, to uh, Wahid and and Shri mm-hmm. Portfolios and all those like they they they've they've done a great job down in, in the states. So th- there's mm-hmm. places that you can be looked after for all your American listeners. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, you know, the Canadians are usually left on the wayside most of the time. So I'm glad to see that we got something here that's reserved just for us. I feel a little bit special now because. Uh, you know, the U.S. and the U.K., they get all the good stuff. The Canadians are usually left behind. So it's true. It's true. <laughs> Definitely. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. Alhamdulillah. So um, a few uh, a few things that I'm still curious about that I'm really excited to talk about with you. Um, 
talking about financial freedom as a concept and talking about, you know, the pursuit of financial freedom. So I want just want to know for yourself, what are your views on that? What are your views on like just pursuing wealth and the growth of wealth? Some people see it as opposite to pursuing righteousness. Of course, that's not necessarily what I believe, but I'd love to know your personal thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It uh, it would all just kind of depend on on what your like what your kind of mindset is and what the objective is in your pursuit of wealth, right? Like if you look at some of the companions of the Sahaba, some of them were very wealthy people, and they did extraordinary things with that wealth to help the ummah, to help people, to uh, give to charity and different things like that. And they weren't consumed by their wealth, and I think that's the key difference. If if you're goal is only wealth and you're neglecting your your family and your prayers and uh, your community and different things like that, then yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's haram. Uh, that's not my place. But you're certainly, you know, um, you're certainly on, on a very thin line, I would say. Um, but the pursuit of wealth in and of itself is not not impermissible. There were wealthy, wealthy Muslims uh, during the time of the prophet. Um, and then the other thing I would say to that is that you know the the pursuit of wealth and the pursuit of financial freedom not only gives you options right it gives you options with your life with your career with your family but it also as a as a community if we have a you know some assets and and some i want to say some financial weight behind us it also gives us a little bit of leverage when it comes to the political uh landscape of canada the the the, the kind of um, things that go on in the communities around us. And if you look at some of the other other minority communities, whether you're talking about Jewish community or the Sikh community or maybe the Ismaili community or whatever, like they are quite organized in how they they manage their their funds. And they're, it's not because they have a bigger community than the Muslims. No, in fact, I think we're, we're one of the second largest uh, second largest groups in Canada. But, uh, you know, we don't really organize our funds in a in a way that that you know, gives us that, that sort of political weight as it were. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I completely agree. I think we for sure have room for improvement. As you mentioned, I, you know, when you think back to the Sahaba and to the companions around the Prophet wasallam, that you have some that actually were uh, some of the wealthiest people in the tribe. And then they use that wealth to help support the Muslims in the beginning, right? When they were struggling and when they were facing so much oppression. Um, mm. And then that it was never, it was never something that was, um, uh, that was viewed as evil um, or that was viewed as wrong to pursue, you know, uh, uh, wealth in, in a way where, of course, if your intentions provided, uh, there are good intentions of providing for yourself, for your family and, you know, having a, a better, more comfortable lifestyle uh, for yourself and your loved ones, inshallah, and helping people in a positive way and making a positive impact, which is always important. So with you, uh, Jesse, and with Canadian Islamic Wealth, what you're building right now, um, what is it that you currently offer? You know, what what did you what do you decide to offer to your clients? Do you only offer um, halal investments, or is there different offerings that you provide? Is there anything that you plan to provide? Can you share that with us? Yeah. So as of right now, our main thing, the main areas where we help is uh, investment management. We help mm -hmm. with some planning. So uh, you know, a client comes in and says they want to go to Hajj in, in three, five. 10 years, like we can help kind of break down what they need to do in order to achieve that goal, whatever that goal may be. Um, the other thing we do is a little bit of risk management, right? If, if you get injured, if you get sick, uh, if someone in the family passes away unexpectedly, like what's going to be there to, to support your kids and support. So we do, we do a little bit of that as well. Um, as of right now, we have no plans to sort of offer, um, uh, 
uh, anything else above and beyond that. The main thing is going to mm. be uh, just, you know, financial and wealth management for the time being. However, we are looking at, at creating some relationships with uh, people who offer, um, you know, halal mortgages and things like that. That is in the works. It's, you know, there's still no, um, you know, def definite, definitive thing that's that's happening as of right now. But it's just something that I know that there's a huge demand for it in the community. I know that demand isn't being filled. So we are working on ways to to help our our um, our clients and and people who you who need our help buy a home in a halal way. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here and try to give something super valuable for the listeners um, who are watching and or listening to this episode. What are three tips that you can provide to Muslims who are listening to this who are thinking to themselves that you know what my money's kind of sitting in the back right now? There's not much that I can do. Um, well, there, I haven't really done much with it, and I maybe plan to buy a home. You know, what, what are what are some ideas, some tips that you can give me to help me out? Can we give them anything? Three. Yeah. If, uh, so, I mean, yeah. the first thing I would be doing is I'd be looking to have it at least produce some type of return. If it's sitting in the bank, best case scenario, you're earning interest, which is A, haram, and B, not very much money. I mean, maybe half a percent, one hmm. percent, best case scenario. Inflation, I think, is around three percent right now, maybe four percent. Hmm. Hey, you, you know, we're hitting records here. Yeah. So that money is losing its ability to buy you the same amount of things as it once was able to. So if you've got 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 sitting around for that day where you eventually, you know, a halal mortgage will be available, do something with it. You can give us a call, CanadianIslamicWealth.com. We can help you. There are other options available out there. Of course, I'm biased. I think we're the best. But, um, you know, and people are worried because they don't want that money to be locked away because, you know, what if what if I can buy a house today or tomorrow? But some people have been holding on to that just sitting in their checking account for like yeah. 10 years. Right. Yeah. So we don't know when that day will eventually come. You know, again, shout out to Manzel. They have a, a great halal mortgage product, but there is like an 18 month waiting list. When last I, I spoke to someone in that uh, in that organization. Right. So mm -hmm. there's an 18 month waiting list. So in that 18 months, you're going to lose maybe two to 3% of your purchasing power. So have it do something. And, you know, uh, I, I think that would be the first thing. The second thing would be to look at how you can improve your tax situation. As Canadians, our biggest expense is our taxes. And so if your money's sitting in a checking account, see if there is a way that you can use your RSPs, your tax-free saving accounts, uh, your, your kids' education plans, because those do come with tax benefits. They come with grant money. Uh, they come with ways where you can actually get money back on your tax return, depending on how you get paid. Um, so lowering that burden as much as possible would be my, my second tip. Mm -hmm. My third tip would be try to set something aside regularly. So one of the things that I always hear people say, and, and one of the most common things is clients wish that they could save more money, put more money aside. Um, mm -hmm. And I think one of the things you need to do is put like every single month, put something aside that you're not going to miss. And it can be as little as maybe 10 bucks a month, 25 a month, 50 a month, 100 a month, like something that if you were to spend that today, you wouldn't even notice. Right. Mm -hmm. It should be that easy. And as time goes on, if it feels super easy, then increase it over time. So if 50 a month is easy, make it 100. If 100 a month is easy, make it 200. 200 a month is easy, make it 500. One of the guys that I was my first like my first client. Uh, was this guy who he, he'd been in Canada for like 20 years and his goal was to go to Hajj. And all we did, all we did for the last five years is set aside about a hundred bucks a month, $50 a paycheck. And as soon as this pandemic stuff is over, he's going to Hajj. He has enough. And he felt like 
you know, there's no, this $50 a month was nothing. It wouldn't get him anywhere. Well, now he's fulfilling one of the pillars of Islam because we just did 50 months and it was so easy for him and he didn't notice. And he came to me mm. uh, two years ago and he said, I never realized that I could have this much money. And at the time it was like $5,000 or something like that. Um, Cause he was basically been living paycheck to paycheck almost his whole mm. life in Canada. So just little, little things like that can make a huge difference in your, in your financial life. So those are definitely, the yeah, that's beautiful. Those are three amazing, uh, amazing tips that you should just share with you. So Jazakallah khair for that. Um, what, what type of person do you think makes a good financial advisor, right? So what is it that you think? people should look out for when they're looking for. I know you mentioned, of course, for them to go um, and work with you, shout out, and I love that. What is it that they should be looking for when they're looking for a financial advisor or someone to help so, them with their finances? Yeah, there's a few things that I think make a, a really good financial advisor. But I think the first thing is, does your advisor understand you? And and I don't think it's enough for them to sit down and do one of these questionnaires and you know give you a laundry list of, of kind of financial things that you should be doing. Because Frankly, from what I've seen, it you know most people will sit down with an advisor at the bank or you know advisor at somewhere like Investors Group or World Financial Group or whatever, and they'll come up with you know five or ten things that someone needs to do today, and it'll it'll you know make your financial life better. Well, that's that's way too much, way too much. Um, they should kind of give you maybe one or two things that you can walk away from that you can implement right now, and those things should not those things should be easy, mm -hmm. like. So the first thing I would say is the financial advisor needs to understand you and like you're the best one to decide whether or not the advisor has communicated that they understand you and that they understand what you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would say is you need to look at what value they're actually providing because a lot of the times you'll get financial advisors everywhere who will try to sell you a product, try to sell you some insurance, try to sell you any number of things because they get paid commission to do that. That's not necessarily bad if those things come with the additional value of, you know, financial planning. Can you get in touch with them? Can you call them on a regular basis? If you have questions, do you feel comfortable to ask your financial advisor? If the answer is no, fire them immediately because mm -hmm. they should, this is your money. This is your future. If they, if they can't answer simple questions that you have, like it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the last thing would be, you know, understand what you're paying for, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a, a big discussion sort of in the financial world about fees. You know, I should get the lowest fees. I should get the lowest fees. I should get the lowest fees. Maybe, um, you know, I, I call this the difference between like being penny wise and pound foolish, pound foolish, right? If you're paying really low fees, that's not necessarily a great thing. If you're missing out on the opportunities to save on taxes, if you're missing out on strategies to help you grow your wealth more quickly, different things like this. Um, mm -hmm. so low fees aren't the be all and end all it should be competitive, but going, you know, um, saving 1% in fees, but missing out on 6% in returns, uh, you know, you're being penny wise, but pound foolish. So I would say mm. focusing on fees is a good thing, but it's not the be all and end all when it comes to working with a financial advisor. So mm -hmm. really make sure that they understand you make sure that, you know, you understand what you're paying and what service you're getting for what you're paying. And understand that, you know, fees are a part of the deal, but they shouldn't be the only thing you look at when it comes to the overall um, ability to, to work with an advisor. I really, really like that. I'm really uh, grateful to you for sharing this, um, Jesse. And I want to ask you, with Canadian Islamic Wealth, 
inshallah. What is it that you plan to kind of, you know, build or offer in the future? And I, you don't have to reveal all of your secrets on the podcast. I won't ask you to. Um, but what can we expect from you in the future? So, I mean, there's my ideal situation. And then there's sort of the, mm-hmm. the um, you know, short term what we're looking to do. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if, if I got my way, every single Muslim in Canada would be investing their money in a halal way. Ideally, that would be with us. But as long as they are choosing the halal option, I'm happy because so many people out there right now are coming up with uh, a thousand excuses about why they shouldn't be doing stuff the halal way. Oh, it's not competitive. It, you know, I, I don't really know if there's a good option. Is it safe? All these other type of things. But now, alhamdulillah, since I started this, there's, there's at least three options you have here in Canada when it comes to halal investing. And so I want to see more of those options. And I want to see Muslims choosing those halal options instead of whatever the goofball at the at the bank is telling them to do. So choose mm. halal at least. You don't even have to choose me, but you'll be better off if you choose me, but choose halal. That would be <laughs> I love one that. of the biggest things what, uh, that, I, that I, I'd want to see uh, for everyone. The other thing I want mm. to see is I, I would love Canadian Islamic wealth to have a presence in every major city in Canada. Um, one of the biggest, I think, hurdles for a lot of people is that we're in Winnipeg. Um, inshallah, we, we are planning to open up locations. Uh, you know, I'm, I've got a few meetings in, in Montreal, uh, in, well, with folks in Montreal in the next couple of weeks uh, and some folks in Edmonton in the next few weeks who may be coming on as advisors with us. But inshallah, we'll, we'll see what happens. So having a physical presence because, there, you know, our, our community is a little bit more old school. I don't think they fully trust fintech yet. So having somebody there who they can kind of walk in and yell at if things go wrong, uh, I think that'll kind of go a long way. So inshallah, having having a physical pre- presence in every every community in Canada would be uh, would be something I, I'd want to have in the next you know five to ten years. Yeah, definitely. And I love that. I love that they can walk in and yell. That's so true. I love that. It's hilarious. Um, I want to I want to ask you a question that I ask every single guest that comes on this podcast, and it's one of my favorites to ask. Um, and the question is the following. If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, right? The younger Jesse, who was, you know, he didn't know um, if he was going to go on this journey and build this uh, Islamic wealth management firm. Uh, he might not have been Muslim back then. I'm not sure what age you, you nope, embraced Islam. Wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you could give him one piece of advice that you could hold on to as he went through this, this you know, uh, roller coaster of a journey called life. What would that be? Um, so it would be it would be twofold. Um, number one, give it a try, right? Um, no matter no matter what it is, you know, give it a try because you're you're never gonna regret if you try something and fail, but you will regret not trying, right? You always think about what what you could have done, what you should have done, what you might have done. So give it a try, even if it's a, a stupid idea, even if it's uh, you don't think it's gonna work. Like at least you gave it a shot. At least you 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 tried. The second thing would be to be patient because things have a way of working themselves out. Um, you know, I, I look back to to sort of my even just my journey within Islam and uh, almost everything I've ever asked Allah for, I've gotten. It hasn't happened right away. It hasn't happened overnight, but it has happened. And so, you know, if you're if you're making du'a, if you're in a situation where you're 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 not sure, if you're feeling like Oh, you know, Allah's not listening to me, answering my prayers. Just wait. 
I don't know how, I don't know why, but trust me, it will work out, inshallah. And if it doesn't, think about why. Because there, some of the, the, the most, um, I would say, spiritually uplifting moments of my life have been when something didn't go the way I wanted it to. But then I sort of tried to like piece out, okay, what went wrong here? And I, and I kind of came to the conclusion that, okay, this would have been a complete disaster and Allah protected me from it. So yeah, those would be the two biggest things is that, you know, give it a try, whatever it is, and make, make, make your sincere dua because things will work out for you, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that and for joining me on this podcast today, uh, brother. It was honestly a pleasure. It was really interesting and eye-opening as a conversation as well. Where can people go if they want to connect with you, they want to, you know, uh, you know, work with Canadian Islamic Wealth. And also one question I think that people will want to know, is there, is there a minimum limit? Is there like, can you take on any clients or do you require yes. a certain limit before you? We can you and we will. Um, we okay. can and we will. So, you know, and, and well, when I was working at some of these larger firms, and this is a, another thing, I always got this, oh, well, set a minimum, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 you know, these kind of crazy mm. amounts, but I want Canadian Islamic wealth to be accessible to everybody. So even if you're starting with it, like 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, let's do something. And we'll, we'll, we are here to help you. Um, so as I mentioned before, you can reach us at Canadian Islamic wealth.com. Uh, we also have a uh, social media presence. So you can follow us on Instagram, Canadian Islamic wealth. Uh, you can follow, um, I, 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 we can follow us on, on YouTube, uh, we have our, our own podcast, Islamic Wealth Talk Podcast, which you can find on, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, so, yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. Awesome, brother. Well, uh, thank you for joining me on this podcast. I'm, I put it up on the screen for those of you who are watching, and we'll, it'll be in the description. And as well, if you're listening, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, check the episode notes. The link will be there, CanadianIslamicWealth.com. Um, Jesse is an amazing guy, mashallah, and I'm sure you'll be in good hands if you're looking for someone to help you invest in an ethical halal way and you live in canada for my uk and us friends um you know i hope that this episode was still valuable for you and of course in that case you would probably have to refer to resources within your respective countries is, is there anyone any ones that you would personally recommend jesse for people in the us or uk yeah so in in the us uh there agaz investments is really good um mm -hmm. portfolios is good wahid those are all good options that you have uh, and then mm -hmm. if you're in the uk i would be looking at uh, El Rayon Bank, um, they have they have some good halal options there. Uh, and there's another app called, uh, I think it's called Kestri. I don't remember the exact one, but I will, I'll send you an email with the app. Kestrel, kestrel.io. Kestrel. That, that's the one. Um, yes. So those guys, those guys as well. Yes, yes, I, I know, I know the, I know the founder of that. We like used to have clubhouse rooms and stuff. He's cool. Um, okay, so you, you know the name. So put it in yes. the in the link there for the for the yes. people because I forgot the name. <laughs> we'll definitely do that, brother. We'll definitely do that, brother. Is there anything? Is there anything you wanna you wanna share before we wrap it up? Any parting notes, parting words for our audience? No, uh, I just I love what Umapreneur is doing. I think more people in our community need to go down the entrepreneurship path because uh, sure. there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you can like you can make a difference within our community by going down this this uh, this entrepreneurship path. So now let me make it easy for you and Sakla Khair for having me. 
Jazakallah for joining us, brother. And uh, for all of you listeners, you know the drill. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a subscribe and rate this podcast through your support. And uh, you can also follow us on your favorite social platform. Just search Ummar Printer. And if you'd like help with starting your own business or taking your business to the next level, you can book a call with us for free at ummarpreneur.com slash call. It's ummarpreneur.com slash call. We'll speak to you to understand your goals and how we can help, inshallah. And until then, we'll see you next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa